Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas, delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. Got you six, we got your back. I got you six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. Yeah, I got you six, we got your back. I got you six, we got your back. I got you six, we got your back. I got you six. All right, Sixers, what an amazing episode we have today. Daniel Rivera, the man of many names, but what he's known for best is being the hardest worker in the room and the most innovative. Danny, welcome to the show. So stoked to have you here. Hey, Tony, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, Sixers that are listening, thank you for tuning in. It's an exclusive episode of Gossip Six Podcast with your boy, Yo Active Poppy, and I'm so excited to be on here to talk to a fellow veteran, a military member, and uh, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great right now. Talking to their recent Hollywood awardee. Why don't we talk about that for a second? Yeah, um, first of all, I just want to take a second to, you know, um, shout out my director, Miko Sad. Um, he's an award-winning Egyptian filmmaker and a really good friend of mine. We worked on a few little short projects together and, um, it was time for me to make something that was going to highlight everything that, you know, Daniel Rivera could do because for a while people had already seen Danny Limelight, you know, on TV for wrestling, but you know, people didn't really get to know who Daniel Rivera is. And, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, they knew who Staff Sergeant Rivera is or drone instructor Sergeant Rivera and stuff like that. So he wanted a film that was going to highlight who Daniel Rivera is and what he can do. Um, and so, you know, I'm a big action buff guy. You know, I like I like the action stuff. Um, I like the adrenaline. I do stunts as well. So I definitely wanted something that was going to allow me to pretty much showcase all of that. Um, and so, you know, some of my favorite action films, you know, are John Wick's, The Matrix's, you know, The Bourne movies, you know. Know, Denzel's equalizers and stuff like that. And, you know, even, even a lot of Jason Statham films. And so when I was trying to come up with, with the film, you know, um, I, I definitely drew my inspiration from John Wick. Um, me and Keanu Reeves, we shared the same birthday, September 2nd. And so it was kind of cool because my first rated R film that I ever saw in the movie theaters was the matrix with Keanu Reeves. So this is kind of like my way to pay homage to him uh, for, for everything that he did for me growing up watching his films and stuff like that. And so I knew I wanted a film that had to do with about somebody coming back for revenge to avenge something that was important to him. You know, John Wick was obviously the dog um, where with my film, you know, my sister was murdered. Yeah. And so the film Joe Riv, you know, I was trying to come up with a name for it and a name for the character. I knew that I wanted the title of the film to be the name of the character. And I wanted a name that was going to be very uh, sharp, crisp and, and follow the same pattern of Hollywood. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, John Wick, Jason Bourne, you know, Jason Statham's a star, you know, like 
they all had J names and it was all like just the first and last name. And it was very one syllable, you know? And so uh, I knew that I wanted something J, but I didn't want it to be Jason. I didn't want to kind of repeat the same name as the other ones. So I went with Joe. I was like, Joe could be show for Joseph. It could be show for a lot of things. So I wanted Joe. And then, and then when I was thinking of the last name, I wanted to lose, use my last name. But Rivera is so long that I was like, I just cut in half, Riv. And that's where the, the name Joe Riv came from. And so I wrote this, I wrote this film. I produced it. I cast everybody in it. Um, I stunt coordinated the film. I did all my own stunts, coordinated everybody else's stunts. Um, and, and we shot it all in one day. Um, with a three thousand dollar budget, which isn't a lot of money, <laughs> and um, you know it was it was our little engine that could. Um, there was a lot of problems that that we dealt with as far as like we didn't have a good cameraman, we didn't have you know a great lighting team. There's a lot of things that you know mistakes that you that you encounter in your first time making something this big, you know. And we had you know an idea of we wanted to keep it under fifteen minutes. Um, we had had came up with all the fight choreography the week before. And when we got to the, the location, the set, the space wasn't big enough to do the fights that we had planned. So I had to re-choreograph the whole fight the day of the shooting. And we only had the one day. So we started filming at 7.30 a.m. And we got done at 10.42 at night. So it was a full 14-hour day, you know, of almost 15-hour day of filming. And I want to give a shout out to the whole team. Everybody was professional. They came out to work. Nobody complained. You know, the stuntmen, you know, really put the work in, took some sick falls, um, sick fight scenes. You know, the actresses came out to perform. They came ready to look beautiful. You know, the dancers were dancing on the pole. It was it was a great vibe. You know, it was, the majority of the film took place in a club. So we had like music playing and blasting, keeping the, the you know, the vibe going. I want to give a shout out to my boy DJ Loudmouth, who's also a Marine Corps veteran and who's a DJ and a rapper now you know, trying to come up with independent artists coming up on the scene. And he was DJ in the film. So he was playing his music and, you know, he, he, he was spinning music the whole time. Didn't stop. So he was basically working and, and Miko just for being an outstanding professional, making sure we got all the shots, making sure the direction of the film was going the way it needed to. And, you know, little people on, I say little people, but I mean like little here and there people were doing to help take things off of my plate because, you know, as the writer producer, you know, actor, star, stuntman, coordinator. Like there was so many hats that I was juggling and I had a lot of people stepping up to the plate and making sure things, you know, were done. And I want to give a shout out also to Nick Herms, who was uh, the second unit uh, director. Um, and he basically directed all the action shots. So he kind of made sure the cameraman was there to get all the shots. If we didn't have him on set, I don't think the cameraman that we had would have been able to get the fights to look as good as the fights look. And then after we were done, you know, the, the hardest part was post-production, was putting the film together, coloring it, the sound effects, the, the music, making sure the original score, we got an original score done, original music that was all ours. You know, Loudmouth song was playing in the beginning of the film. My brother, Flo Fixer, his name is Jonathan Torres. It's my older brother, who's an upcoming independent artist in New York. We put his song in the film. You know, we were just showing people love and just trying to, you know, bring people up with us. We had a guy named Roy Rashad, who's another friend of ours, who's a rapper out here in California, up and coming artist. We had him actually perform his song in the film. And so we did all that. We had Saif Alfarif, who was the uh, owner of Creative Lab. He was the, the editor, color. He put the film together and we submitted it to the film festivals, the Action on Film Festival and the Hollywood Dream Film Festivals in Las Vegas, which is the biggest action film festival there is. And, you know, we went home with six awards. You know, so not only were we selected, which was, was, was just good enough for us, like, wow, we, you know, we got selected. Our, our film was good enough to go to this ceremony. And it was, wow, we got nominated for these awards. 
you know? So it was like, wow, now our film has been nominated seven times. And, and out of those seven, seven nominations, we won six of them. So it was, uh, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. You know, we won, we won uh, best short film over 10 minutes. We won best action short, best drama short, best movie poster, most outstanding cast. And then I took home the award for best actor. The only one that we didn't win was best actress. And I think that's only because the main actress in our film didn't have enough scenes. Even though I think she's a great actress, I just don't think that they saw enough of her for her to win the award. So Danny, what you just talked about, if people weren't like familiar with the film or just like they were just popping in out of a conversation, you couldn't tell a difference between film and a movie and running in, like an operation in the military because you thanked everybody for doing more than they needed to do, right? Looking at how to thrive in ambiguity and chaos. Things went wrong. You still came together, pulled it out, and you went straight big three, right? Shout out to LeBron and the Miami Heat back in the day. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six awards. That's massive. Yeah. It was an experience like no other. I look over at my, my dresser right now. I see the, you know, the awards there. I have two awards because I kept the, the best actor award and I kept the um, best short film award. And then, you know, the movie poster award went away to the, the movie that I had to design the poster. The outstanding cast went away. The you know, best short um, drama went to the, the producer, one of the other producers. And Miko got one, the director. You know, we kind of split the awards around the group. And uh, but it's. Still so surreal seeing them sitting right here um, on, on my dresser and stuff like that. And like you said, you know, as someone who's in the military, when I was a platoon sergeant or I was a drill instructor in charge of platoon or I was leading a company for drill and stuff like that, it's the same thing. It's like control chaos. A lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts. Got to be able to adapt, overcome and, and people need to step up and they call it, you know, uh, taking initiative and stuff like that. And we had a lot of guys taking initiative, a lot of females taking initiative on set, making sure that people were helping out. Um, I want to give another shout out. This may not seem that much, but, you know, in the military, one of the main things is making sure everybody gets their chow, you know, making sure everybody eats. And uh, we had food. We, Nick Herms, he owns a subway, uh, a sub, a sandwich, I should say, a sandwich store in L.A. Um, called L.A. Sandwiches. And he came and he provided food for everybody on set, amazing sandwiches. But we ran out of food quick because we were there for so long um, that, that towards the end of the night, we didn't have no food. And, uh, a good friend of mine, Blake Troop, I want to give him a special shout out. He plays one of the, one of the antagonists in the film. He plays Crank, the big bodyguard of the boss. And, uh, he's also a professional wrestler and a uh, MMA fighter. And, uh, he came out of his pocket. They didn't say nothing to nobody. Just pizza showed up to the place. And I was like, I didn't order this, you know, like, well, like, okay, whatever I'll pay it. And they're like, Oh, it's already paid for. Um, Blake paid for it. I was like, what? And he's like, hey, man, you know, he bought like seven boxes of pizza just so everybody can eat late at night, man. And it's the, it's the little things like that, you know, that make you, makes you realize that you're working with the right type of people. Regardless, in and out of service, right? That's just a, that's a special thing. You Like, it, it just naturally happens and you can't force that type of chemistry. Where do you think your understanding that importance of hard work really comes from? Oh, military, 100%. I think that when I was 17 years old and I joined the Marine Corps, I didn't know nothing about responsibility, taking ownership. You know, I was a street rat kid from New York City. I had a lot of things that I was doing wrong, um, but I knew I wanted to do right. And I think that my drone instructor, you know, my, the one I'm going to give a shout out to was, you know, drone instructor, senior drone instructor, Staff Sergeant Iddens and drone instructor Sergeant Askew. Those are the two main drone instructors that really, you know, kicked my ass 
you know, and broke me down, built back up and told me what it means to be a man and, and take responsibility. And then my, you know, leadership throughout the Marine Corps, you know, whether it was Sergeant Major Young, Lieutenant Colonel Fitzgerald, you know, Mass Sergeant Rios, Gurney Sergeant James. Like, those are the names that I remember that was like, showed me what a leader looks like. And, and I think that those those were like, you know, you draw from leaders. You take what you like and what you don't like, you know, and, and it all it all paid due. What did all of those leaders have in common? They were selfless. They were selfless in the sense that, yes, mission came first, but they made sure that the troops were good. And I think that when you're, whether it's in the military or if you're on set of a film and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're wearing all these hats, you know, people are there for me. You know, I didn't have enough money to pay everybody on set. They were there because they wanted to be there to be part of the film. And they were there for me. And I had to make sure that I took care of everybody in a way that their time wasn't wasted. And I felt like when we did our premiere in L.A., and they all got to come out with their loved ones and, and you know, friends or whatever and, and see the, the fruit of their papers on the screen, and, you know, and then, and then see it and then hear that we won all these awards to them. It's like, wow, like this guy told us his his goal with this film is to go to the film festival and get us all seen. And he did that. And not only did he do that, he came home with, with trophies, you know, and, and I think that that was important to them. And now, you know, that with the success of the short film, I'm, I've been in writing mode. I'm 40 pages deep right now. The short film had 15 pages. I'm on page 41 right now. And I got about uh, 39 pages left to write because I'm going to turn Joe Rib the short into the full feature length film. So what experience do you have writing? Did you go to a fancy school and like learn how to write? No. When I was a kid, my mom had a word processor and I would sit on the word processor and just type because I, I was a storyteller. I loved I loved to write as a kid. You know, I just love telling stories. Whatever I would dream as a kid, I would wake up with my dream and try to write write into like a story, but not like a book story, like a movie story. Like one, I would write what I wanted to see on TV or in the theaters. You know, and my love for film came from such a from such a young age that I would watch films and almost study it. Like, okay, what's gonna happen? Or why did the why did the 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 writer or the director do this? Why did the actor say that? You know, I was studying it from such a, such a young age without even realizing that that's what I was doing, you know? And I, I did go to school, you know, I attended the New York Film Academy for one semester. And then now I go to the Los Angeles Film School. I've been there about a year now. And, and you know, just no, no professional writing classes, um, just learning about the business of filmmaking and film production and then trial and error. You know, I did a few little short projects. None went to film festivals, but little short projects that, that span anywhere from one minute to five and a half minutes before doing Joe Riv. And in fact, before Joe Riv, I did do one that was about 13 minutes long. And it was a, it was a good script, in my opinion. It just wasn't shot properly because we had no experience at the time. You no. Know, so by the time we got ready for Joe Riv, I was in much better state and understood a little bit more to make sure that we did a good enough job to, to take it as far as we did. And now that with that good enough job, and I'm not trying to take away from the film, is that I know we could have did way better. I watched the film probably 700 times already, you know, just rewatching it. Not 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 because I'm an egomaniac, but because I want to know, okay, I should have done this instead. Should have, you know, because now that I'm writing the feature film, this is going to be real money. You know, that a full feature film costs money. And not only talking money like that, I got to make sure that whoever's investing their money into the product is going to get something better out of it. Where you started on the word processor, being inspired by telling stories, to then going to the Marine Corps and then conducting and being that like action hero in real life, then going and creating a character that exists inside of the squared circle who continues to tell stories, which is, I mean, that, yeah, every day. And that, I mean, we're going to get into that here shortly, to then 
going now you're making about to make a full-length feature film that's awesome yeah five-year-old me right now is like we did it like you know like i i wanted it when i was a kid i wanted to be a wrestler and i wanted to be an actor that's what i wanted you know the rock was my inspiration he was the man in my opinion and he's still to this day the guy i look up to he's the hardest worker in the room whether it's in his wrestling in the films you know, whether it's his tequila, his Under Armour, pro, you know, the water, like he, he does, what doesn't, what doesn't Dwayne Johnson do, you know? Right. And the other thing is he like, just like you do, he surrounds him with people that are smarter than himself to bring up his game. Yeah. And he's a, and he's a father as well. You know, that's another thing to me. I'm a father. So it, it, it's just one of those things where, like I said, I wanted to do it as a kid. Uh, my teacher told me that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't make a living wrestling. It wasn't a real job. That's what they told me on career day when I came to school dressed up as a wrestler. Which wrestler? Uh, I, my own creator wrestler. I had like, little, I came with like black shorts. And I had like a black leather vest and I had like a, like a hat, like a, like a, like a, almost like the Undertaker's hat, but not really like a cowboy hat kind of style. A little, little pet lizard that I put on my shoulder. And then I had the W, back then it was WWF, the WWF championship. And that was that was me on career day, you know, and, and I have a picture of it all over my social media somewhere. But that was me. And and I was in, I think, like kindergarten or first grade or something like that. And there was like, nope, it's not a job. I love that. So as we talked about, right, like stepping into the squared circle, being a professional wrestler, you're always having to constantly work on what they call the gimmick, right? Like who your character is. Um there's got to be some sort of like habits and things you pick up along the way as you build that character because the story is constantly evolving. Yes. So, you know, the first thing that I was thinking about was finding a name that was going to be marketable, that was going to look good on flyers, that was going to sell, you know, and I wanted it to represent who I am and, and I wanted it to represent New York City. And that's where I, you know, I started thinking of of New York, you know, and what what was big in New York back in the day. You know, there was a club in New York City called The Limelight. And there's a song called Juicy. It's my favorite song of all time by Biggie Smalls. And he says, now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. Born in the, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? So for me, I was like the limelight, you know? And so I was like, Danny Limelight, you know, but my original first name that I was going to go with, I was going to use my middle name. My middle name is Lewis. And so I, I originally was going to go with Live Lewis. Not as catchy as Danny Limelight, you know? No, Danny Limelight. It's like you already see you in this underneath the spotlight. Yeah, exa- exactly. You know, and so I, after I got the name, you know, I, I, I tried to figure out how I wanted to portray myself on TV. I knew I wanted to be a bad guy. And so I, I try to try to mimic Pretty Boy Floyd, Money Mayweather. I wanted to be a big shit talker. I wanted to be flashy and cocky. Uh, but I still wanted to be, you know, a little bit more of streets as well, you know? Yeah. Well, you got to strive to put every day put on for the culture of being from Brooklyn, yeah. from, you know, Puerto Rican. And I'm, I'm, look, man, look, you see right here? It's the Puerto Rican flag wrapped around my head. This, I represent to the fullest. It wasn't until David Marquez from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, president of the United Wrestling Network, brought me in to his TV program when I was nine months into business, where he was like, let's not go with Danny Limelight. Let's go with Danny Rivera. And we're gonna, you're going to represent Puerto Rico, and you're going to be just a Puerto Rican kid from New York. We're going to take the limelight out for now. It didn't make sense to me back then. You know, I didn't, I was like, why? You know? And at this time, you're still active duty. I'm still active duty at this time. Yeah, I'm still active duty. So I'm literally getting off work at 16, 30, 1700, driving to wrestling to try to train. And then I'm like making 
trips on the weekends to try to go wrestle at shows and be at PT in the morning. So it's all this is happening. And at the time, my daughter is like six months old, you know, like I got a newborn child at like the same time. I'm newly married. And I'm divorced now, but I was married then. I had no idea what I was doing with that. It was just a lot going on. And um, I, I ended up running with the Danny Rivera thing on TV and then Danny Limelight on the independent scene. And then when I built up a big enough buzz on TV, it became Danny Limelight Rivera. And then as I really started creating a buzz for me, I said, like, I want to drop the Rivera and I want to keep Danny Limelight. And it was, you know, after I took two years off in 2016 to go be a drone instructor where I had no time to, to be a wrestler because I was training recruits. I came back in 2018 as Danny Limelight only. And I really started making waves. Um, when I made my debut at Impact, you know, kind of started really getting eyes on me, had my New Japan pro wrestling tryout, killed that, came, made my debut at New Japan as Danny Limelight, you know, got into the finals of the Lions, Brown, uh, Lions Break Crown Tournament. Which for who don't, people who don't watch wrestling, that is a massive deal. Like that's like going from coming off the streets for a tryout to being on the Super Bowl winning team. Like that's huge. hundred percent, you know, coming from there and going straight to the finals of the tournament, really creating a big buzz for me. Then I, had, I went into a feud with Rocky Romero, who's been part of New Japan for almost 20 years. He's like one of the men, you know, he's, he's, he, I, I'll give credit where it's due. I went into a feud with him, like a rivalry trainer thing. And then I turned on him and I joined Team Filthy with, with Filthy Tom Lawler, who's an MMA fighter. Um, we had our own little group. And then I got the call from AEW, you know, and I went to AEW. And I was, that's where Danny Limelight really blew up was that, you know, between, between the time from New Japan to AEW, you know, wrestling Kenny Omega, wrestling John Moxley, you know, Ray Phoenix, having all these bangers on, on TV. And then still at the same time, like this was, this is all happening one year after I got out of the military. You know, I got out of the military October, 2019. I just hit my, my two year mark from getting out. And one month after I get out of the military, um, I book a movie with John Morrison. I, I do all the stunts in the film Speed of Time. So I get some money immediately after the military. And then I do my New Japan tryout in November of 2019. And then December, I separate my shoulder. I separate my shoulder and they tell me I'm going to be out for four to six months. I said, fuck that. One month later, I'm back in the ring because I rushed my recovery. Once I got full range of motion, I went straight to the gym and then I went back to the ring. Didn't take no time off. The pandemic hits, which sucked because now I'm like, if I knew the pandemic was going to happen, I would have got surgery to properly hear it. And I did it. Now my freaking shoulder still sticks out. And now wrestling's at a pause because the pandemic's happening. And then fortunately, you know, July timeframe of last year, 2020, that's when New Japan started taping back up. We, they followed all the COVID protocols and made sure everybody was safe. And I was able to start making some more income wrestling, create the buzz went to AEW and then that's when I signed with AEW and this one year after, you know, my release from the military. And so here we are now, now two, at the two year mark since I got out of the military and I, I've wrestled on every major wrestling company except for WWE. So the only one that I haven't wrestled for yet. Yeah. We don't talk about New York here for those people who don't uh, watch wrestling. New York is commonly referred to as WWE or up North. Without all that, Danny, like you're still doing these incredible things because you've set the groundwork for yourself and your family and the people that have supported you along the way to say, hey, I'm going to be able to do what I want. Trust me, I'm going to make it happen. And you have. Because you're right. Because, you know, I have a daughter who's watching me and I know people don't like to talk about up north of New York, but, you know, WWE is the biggest wrestling company in the world. So, 
you know, I, I give respect where it's due. You know, I, I, a lot of my boys work there and stuff like that. So, but, but like I said, I was just trying to really set the bar for my daughter and make sure that I was able to provide, you know, I, I didn't want to be another statistic where you get out of the military and you fall on your face. You know, I wanted to, to follow my dreams and I wanted to show people watching, especially the, my daughter, most importantly, but also the Latino community and all my people from New York, you know, people just struggling growing up from, from shitty neighborhoods that like, if you grind and put the work in, you can get to everywhere, anywhere you want to go. No, no, no nobody's going to stop you but yourself. And so, and so I somehow was able to do that. We touched on a little bit. I want to kind of zoom back to failure because there, there has been failures along the way. What do you think has been your greatest failure that has made you who you are today? You get more no's than yeses in Hollywood, you know, so like trying, trying stuff and not getting parts at auditions and things like that. Sending out emails, you know, earlier in the career to try to get wrestling bookings and promoters not not paying me no mind. Um, there's a lot of things. It's, it's just it's just putting in the work. You know, and I think that sometimes people, they hit a wall, they hit like a roadblock in their career and, and they just like, oh, this is it. I'm done. You know, I can't I can't bounce back. But for me, I like obstacle courses, you know, like I'm, I some shits, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like when I hit a boundary or I hit a wall, you know, I, I either climb over it, go around or go right through it. You know, I never turn back around. So fortunately, you know, I, I've been able to just stay, stay sturdy, stay headstrong on, on, on what my primary objective is. And then you just like a Marine Corps rifleman, locate, close with and destroy the enemy. I absolutely love that because you talk about, you know, that purpose and what the long-term vision is and you're not losing sight of that whenever obstacles do pop up, right? You're either going around, over, or most likely knowing Danny Limelight, he's going to go through. I can't thank you enough, Danny, for being on the show. Before we close though, I do want to know, and you've, you've hinted at it a lot. I'm just going to ask you point blank. How are you better than yesterday? Man, first of all, every everybody should be striving to be better than who they were yesterday. Um, your only competition is the person in the mirror. And I like to tell myself, even my mirror can't see me. Because yesterday I have took an L, but today I bounced back. Yesterday I may have doubted myself for a second, but today, you know, I nah, I was wrong for thinking that way. You know, I, I always I always check myself. I'm my hardest critique. And I think that because I put in the work and, and whenever I, I, I hold myself accountable, whenever I feel like I did slack off for a day or I did, you know, maybe I should have. Maybe I should have stood in the gym a little longer. Or maybe I should have tried to lift this a little heavier. Or maybe I should have sent out that email. You know, the next day I make sure I do everything I said I was going to do. You know, I hold myself accountable. Um, I got a little one watching me. I got people watching me. And I got to make sure that I set the bar as high as possible. Because at the end of the day, all we have is our legacy. And I want to make sure that the Rivera legacy lives forever. Beautiful words. Danny, thank you so much for your time. If people want to reach out, where are they going? How are they finding you? Yeah, first of all, I just want I just want to thank you for for you know Tony for really taking the time out to reach out and bringing me onto your show. I want to thank the Got Your Six podcast for having me, all your your Sixers, the people listening at home. Thank you so much, mi gente. You know that means my people, and I say I'm more than mi gente, which is love of my people. Love y'all. If you want to reach out, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Danny Limelight. TikTok is Danny Limelight. ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Danny Limelight for all your merchandise. And if you want a cameo, I'm on Cameo as well. Cameo.com backslash Danny Limelight. Thank you so much. Tony, let's link again soon, brother. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, 
But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Gotcha 6 podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.